What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio. My name is Sean. I'm your host, and I'm extremely caffeinated and super excited today uh, because the Apple event, of course, was today, and it just wrapped up about an hour and a half to two hours ago. And uh, this entire episode is going to be dedicated to sort of unwrapping everything that was announced and discussed in today's um, live Apple event. So there's a lot to talk about. There was new iPhones, the new version of the Apple Watch, and the new Apple TV, as well as a ton of new features uh, that are associated with iOS. OS 11. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump in with today's special Apple event edition of the tech download for Tuesday, September 12th, 2017. Wow. So um, Apple started things off on a pretty emotional note, um, obviously, with the unveiling of the new Steve Jobs Theater. Um, they started things off with sort of uh, a series of quotes or uh, a speech that Steve Jobs had given. And, uh, you know, it was just his voice with a black screen and uh, a readout of text um, showing the the, uh, the same exact words that he was speaking in his own voice. And, uh, you know, once it was done, um, Tim Cook came out on stage looking visibly uh, emotional and uh, and gave a nice little tribute to Steve Jobs. And the thing that I found most interesting about this was um, just the other day I read an article. I think that it was written by somebody who works at Pixar, either the CEO or, or some, some one of the higher up executives that worked hand in hand with Steve Jobs um, during his time at Pixar Studios. And uh, he, he says that he thinks all of the movies and biographies and everything that's going on with uh, the different um, stories that have been told about Steve Jobs um, have not really gotten it 100% right. And, you know, in spite of his flaws and his maniacal uh, drive and attention to detail and his expectations of those around him, that he was actually not, you know, the horrible person that Hollywood um, would portray him to be. You know, now, without a doubt, he was a flawed human being like, like most people are. Um, but that doesn't, you know, undo all of the things that he did in terms of innovation in bringing technologies and all kinds of other um, innovative products to to the world. And, and his impact on the world is pretty undeniable, whether you like him or not, or whether you're an Apple fan or not. And it's interesting to see that people that worked closely by his side, like Tim Cook obviously did for years, and and even probably some other Apple employees, um, in spite of his flaws, still have uh, a certain level of affection and um, just a deep-seated respect and thanks even for everything that he did for innovation and for pushing product technologies forward and for probably helping all these individuals hold themselves to a higher standard. So I thought that was really interesting. It was definitely emotional. I, I saw a lot of uh, uh, weepy eyes in the, in the crowd and definitely uh, got me a little choked up. So uh, I wasn't expecting that and I thought it was kind of interesting. So after they got through the, uh, the Steve Jobs tribute, um, Tim Cook kind of just jumped right in and started talking about the Apple Park itself. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment. So before they got into talking about specifics about any of the uh, products that they were going to be uh, updating for this event, um, they first wanted to touch on some of the interesting aspects of the uh, Apple Park itself. And um, what I didn't realize is that Steve Jobs actually started to put plans in place for Apple Park over 10 years ago, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, so even with something like um, a new office building, you could see that um, Steve Jobs was actually extremely hands-on and, and extremely passionate about what kind of environment he was going to create for himself and for all of the employees. 
And one of the goals that was stated um, from the beginning was to create an inspiring environment for employees to interact. And that was a big part of went into creating this sort of uh, um, nature driven and uh, this, this this entire building is is kind of trying to bring the outside in and that the entire building is powered by 100% renewable energy. So, um, you know, they had some goals right out of the gate before they even started to to come up with concepts for the actual building. Um, and uh, I think that uh, you can tell that Apple was definitely wanting to, to drive home a certain feel and a vibe in creating the new um, Apple compound, if that's what you want to call it. So um, it does have one of the largest solar systems in the world, which is kind of part of what helps it create that uh, or that be self-sufficient in 100% renewable energy. And um, they put just as much thought into creating a beautiful design for the entire building that they put into things like their Apple stores or their products. So um, there is a brand new uh, version of the new concept of the Apple stores in the, I think like the visitor center in the front, as well as a fully fleshed out visitor center that has things like um, facts about Apple and and uh, a lot of interactive elements that you can uh, interact with. So pretty cool stuff from the new Apple uh, headquarters. So they, they kind of segued right into talking about an update on Apple retail stores. And the new concept or the new layout for the new Apple stores is going to be called Apple Town Square. And the first one is going to be uh, the New York Fifth Avenue uh, store. So that one will be the first to display a lot of the new features and a lot of the new uh, elements that are being incorporated into the new store design. So it's a brand new store design um, that has things like a plaza, which is sort of like a relaxation area. Think of it kind of like a, a cafe. Um, there's a forum to create. Um, there's also the Genius Grove, which is a more relaxed service experience, but still driven by the same um, Apple Genius type environment that's been there since the beginning. And there's also something called the Avenues, which is a sort of window to featured products. It's basically, I think it looked like it was going to be the outside edge of the entire store was going to be used to display some of the latest, greatest products, either from Apple or from some of their partners. There's also the new Creative Pro, which is a new position at the Apple store um, that's part of of the uh, Today at Apple experience, they're calling it, which looks like it's a pretty in-depth experience. They're going to have um, musicians, artists, developers, all kinds of people coming in and doing uh, lessons and all kinds of other things. Um, they're also going to be taking people from inside the store to outside to do things like learning about photography and all kinds of other stuff. So um, another one of the first stores to incorporate this new uh, town square um, layout or concept will be the new store that's opening up on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. So the first product to get discussed at the event was the Apple Watch. And they started out like they usually do, which is uh, by giving an update as to the sort of uh, growth and development of the Apple Watch as a product category. And there were some pretty cool stats. The Apple Watch grew over 50% last quarter compared to year-over-year -year results for the same quarter, which is pretty significant growth. And some other numbers that were kind of interesting, considering that Apple doesn't really announce specific sales, sales numbers for the Apple Watch independently. It kind of lumps them into accessory categories along with the Apple TV is the fact that the uh, Apple Watch went from being the number two most popular watch in the world to being number one overtaking and passing Rolex, which is actually incredibly impressive. Um, you know, no matter what your thoughts are on the Apple Watch or in watches in general, it's pretty amazing that a watch that's only been in production and available to consumers for about, you know, three years um, is now the, the number one uh, watch worn by consumers worldwide. That's that's definitely impressive. 
Um, the other thing that was impressive, of course, is the fact that like most Apple products, it does have a 97% customer satisfaction rating. Um, so that tells you people that do have the Apple Watch generally seem to uh, enjoy it, like it, don't have many issues with it. And then they transitioned into another semi-emotional moment where they talked about health benefits and then showed a bunch of uh, customer videos that were based on letters that were sent in to Tim Cook that were all about their experiences of uh, wearing the Apple Watch and what it's done to improve their lives. And it was pretty powerful stuff. I mean, obviously it's marketing and Apple does a great job of um, producing these things to be as emotionally impactful as possible. Um, but there's no denying that uh, the stories were, were real and they definitely showed that people do have um, a lot of um, I guess hold their Apple watches in high regard or have a lot of appreciation for what Apple has done with that product category they then transitioned into talking about what's new with the Apple Watch, starting with Watch OS 4 and some of its new features like the personal coaching that's supposed to help you um, basically get motivated to get through filling out those rings and, and achieve your fitness goals. And then they talked about GymKit, which is basically Apple's new developer kit specifically to allow uh, gym equipment manufacturers to integrate um, with the Apple Watch. The next big thing that is coming to Apple Watch Series 3 is the updates to the heart rate experience or the heart rate app. And so basically they've added a lot of enhancements to the heart rate app, including tracking of resting heart rate, which is done by monitoring the resting heart rate over a period of time and comparing it with the accelerometer data to try and make sure it knows when you're actually resting and, um, and then give you an average resting heart rate. Also tracking things like recovery heart rate, so how fast your heart rate recovers and comes back to its normal rate after a workout. And this will be used to kind of graph things like your fitness improvement. So the more fit you are, obviously you should start to see um, an improvement in your recovery heart rate times. So those are pretty cool and will definitely just act as enhancements to what people already like about the Apple Watch, which is a lot of the fitness tracking capabilities. Another new feature to the heart rate app and the heart rate monitor is the fact that it will be able to alert you to heart rate spikes that are happening unexpectedly. So in other words, if your heart rate were to jump unexpectedly while you weren't doing any kind of physical activity, then your Apple Watch will alert you to this and so you can pay attention to if there's something you need to be concerned about, as well as being able to track things like a heart arrhythmia. Um, and Apple is partnering with Stanford University and doing a Apple heart rate study, um, which is going to be used to track and sort of organize data centered around how to better improve not only the Apple Watch um, app, but the uh, heart rate monitor that's built into the Apple Watch in the future to create a more, I guess, more uh, effective heart rate system that can be used for healthcare instead of just for a novelty or, or fitness related uh, application. WatchOS 4 will be available to all Apple Watch customers on September 19th. Now, of course, the big announcement for Apple Watch Series 3 was LTE. And yes, we finally can make phone calls and send and receive text messages without having our phone anywhere near us. Um, we can all finally live through that Dick Tracy fantasy and talk directly into our, our Apple Watches. So that is really the most exciting part of Apple Watch 3. Um, the way that this is going to work is that you're going to have your same exact phone number as your, your current phone that you use from your wireless carrier. And basically, they're going to partner with wireless carriers to sell the Apple Watch, um, at least the LTE version. And basically, it will have an electronic SIM card built into it that they can activate with your existing uh, cell phone number. So um, all, all third-party apps are expected to work over cellular. So they didn't make a specific announcement about anything like uh, using something like Spotify. 
But they did, of course, highlight Apple Music and using uh, that app to stream music wirelessly to your Apple Watch. Um, so obviously, I would compatible or will be able to take advantage of all the wireless functions. So any other streaming music app you want to use should be able to do it as well. Um, so that's probably the biggest application that people are going to be excited about. I personally think it's going to be great though to be able to get a text message or a phone call. So let's get into some of the tech behind the new Series 3 Apple Watch. Now, with some of the upgrades to the internals, we have a new dual core processor, and that should definitely make things like apps load faster and just everything in the user interface just seem a little bit more snappy in general. But some of the extra benefits are things like Siri can... So it's going to feel much closer to the same experience you have using Siri on your phone um, or on an iPad or anything else um, where she'll actually respond to comments and you can do things like schedule an appointment or add things to your calendar or tell her to remind you to do something all without needing the phone being anywhere near where your watch or you happen to be at that time. Um, some other new features are the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi connectivity have now been upgraded and everything is handled now by the new version of the W2 chip, which is 50% more powerful and more efficient than the previous W1 version before it. The display itself actually acts as the antenna, which I thought was um, one of those sort of things that's going to go unnoticed or that, pe that people won't want to give Apple credit for. Um, but, you know, th thinking about how Apple managed to make this new version of the Apple Watch so much more uh, functional, have so many more capabilities, but keeping it in the exact same size case as previous is, you know, a real testament to their, you know, engineering prowess. And the fact that one of those things is the fact that now that this is an LTE uh, connected watch, it now has to have room for an antenna. And if you've seen any of the other smartwatches on the market that had LTE connectivity, you know that they were a hell of a lot thicker and bulkier than the Apple Watch. So the fact that they did something like using the display to act as a conductive material to, to act as the antenna is just another example of how they were able to really innovate on something that hasn't really been done before. Now, they also went as far as integrating the SIM card into the actual uh, the actual internals of the Apple Watch Series 3. So there's no um, external SIM card. It would have been really difficult for them to shrink down a physical SIM that you would place inside the, uh, the Apple Watch. Plus, obviously, every extra opening is just another area where uh, water could seep in. And obviously, keeping the Apple Watch water-resistant or waterproof is, is a major selling feature. So the SIM card is an electronic SIM card that's built into to the watch itself and you know again all of this new technology has been crammed into a case that's exactly the same size as the current apple watches we're all wearing now so um, apple did do a quick live demo of a phone call um, and they used typical you know apple fashion they went a little over the top and they had a phone call being made to an apple employee who was out uh, paddle boarding out on a lake or on the ocean and uh, you know granted it was effective it was very impressive that the uh, the call quality was what it was while she wasn't actually taking her wrist and putting it to her mouth she was holding on to the paddle that she was paddle boarding and was still able to uh, to communicate and it was right about at this point that we got our 
our very first um, magic, and I use magic in uh, air quotes. We got our very first magic reference. You know, kudos to Apple for having some restraint this year. Uh, I didn't hear too many too many magical terms being thrown out. So um, one other note about the new version of the Apple Watch is that it will have an 18 hour battery life still. So even with all this new tech and everything that they crammed in here, we're still looking at basically an all day battery life. Now I know a lot of people out there uh, bitch and complain and, and really want the Apple Watch to be able to last, you know, two weeks on a single charge, but that's really unrealistic in my opinion. The price range for the new Series 3 Apple Watch will range from $329 all the way up to about $749 depending on the case option and size and whether or not you're getting just the GPS connectivity version or the LTE plus GPS models. There currently is no pricing on the ceramic case version just yet, but other than that, this is everything that we now know about the new Apple Watch Series 3. If you have any questions, leave me a comment or call in and let me know. Moving on to the next product in the announcement was the update for Apple TV. And as was pretty widely expected, the Apple TV is getting an update and it's being called the Apple TV 4K. Surprisingly, Apple showed a lot of restraint during this portion of the event, not going too overboard to make it sound like they had reinvented the wheel and really just kind of explained a little bit more about the importance of things like 4K and specifically HDR. Now, I've been saying for well over a year now that I think HDR is much more important to the future of television and to sort of how much of an impact it can make on people's uh, viewing um, experience. And Apple sort of reiterated that, which was cool. So they, they talked a little bit about how HDR is you know more important in many ways than 4k and they did a 4k HDR demo that was uh, displayed to the audience on a special HDR projector that they had installed in this new Steve Jobs theater and uh, you know judging by the oohs and ahs it seemed to go over pretty well people seemed pretty impressed they used the new uh, HDR 4k version of Spider-Man Homecoming that I guess is getting ready to release shortly here on uh, Apple TV as well as probably other streaming platforms as well. So physically, it looks to be basically identical to the current version uh, Apple TVs that you can buy right now. And it does come in a 32 gigabyte size for 179 and a 64 gigabyte size for 199. That seems to be a no brainer to me if you were going to spend $179 for the 32 gigabyte version. Um, in Apple terms, anyway, this is a pretty small storage tax to pay. It's not too common that you see Apple products that allow doubling your storage for only about $20. So um, I would highly recommend anybody who's interested in just going ahead and buying the 64 gigabyte version. So getting into the tech that's actually inside the new Apple TV 4K, um, we have an A10X Fusion chip, obviously as I mentioned 32 or 64 gigabytes. It has gigabit ethernet, 802.11ac Wi-Fi with MIMO, uh, simultaneous dual band 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz connections, and it does have Bluetooth 5.0. So you know, connectivity wise, I think you're pretty much all set. Uh, my existing Apple TV already holds up pretty well in terms of comparing it to any other streaming or Wi-Fi enabled devices in my house, so I'm probably not too worried about that. So the real star of the show in terms of upgrades on the tech side is really the upgrade to the A10X Fusion chip. And that's definitely what's being implemented that's allowing the, the new version of the Apple TV to do things like display 4K at 60 frames per second. 
Apple was very specific in saying that the Apple TV 4K will be capable of decoding uh, 4K HDR signals in HDR 10 format as well as Dolby Vision, which is good because um, Netflix has a lot of Dolby Vision content. I've mentioned before, though, that it really doesn't matter too much because uh, not many people have a TV that can fully take advantage of all the extra um, qualities that are associated with Dolby Vision. So as long as you have HDR 10 uh, content and an HDR 10 television, you're good to go um, in terms of a big bump in in sort of your viewing experience and the quality of the image. So, um, but it's nice that the Amazon Prime app that will be released for the Apple TV 4K does support 4K in HDR 10 and HDR uh, Dolby Vision. Apple also announced that it will be releasing some form of live sports um, application and solution in the near future. They didn't really get too specific on exactly how it was gonna work. They did talk a little bit about what the experience was gonna be like, and they talked about how whatever season you're in, that particular sport, whether it's you know basketball season, football season, would be highlighted right on the home screen. You'll be able to see uh, games in order of where they are in terms of the, the, the point in the game, um, scoring, highlights, your favorite team, etc. And uh, it seemed like they were trying to come up with some type of solution for people wanting to cut the cord and still get uh, live sports. So I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on that to see if it's anything that's competitive to making me want to switch from PlayStation View, which is what I'm currently using for television and and live uh, sports. Um, There's also the new gaming capabilities for the Apple TV. So uh, that gaming company unveiled a new game called Sky and did a demo showing off some of the features and power of Metal 2 and uh, the A10X chip in action. Graphics look gorgeous, um, had a lot of good details. Apparently, it was running in 4K. Uh, One of the... uh, one of the uh, game developers for that game company did mention that it was 4K textures were being displayed. So they they made a specific uh, call out to these 4K textures looking great. So I'm assuming the game was running at a 4K resolution. But other than that, that was pretty much all they had to say about the Apple TV 4K. There was obviously a lot of fluff in there talking about how great HDR imagery looks and all that, but nothing we didn't already know. So basically the gist of it is the new Apple TV will support 4K and HDR in the two most popular formats. And finally, we got to the point in the show that everybody was waiting for, and that was the headlining act, which of course was the unveiling of the two new versions of the iPhone, the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, and the iPhone X, which is obviously the sort of new flagship cream of the crop model that I think most people are gonna be really interested in. Now, I was really surprised that there was a whole lot more innovation happening both on the iPhone 8 and the X than I was really expecting, especially when it comes to the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. One of the coolest things about today's announcement in the 8 Plus was the fact that there's really not a whole lot of features being held back from the 8 and 8 Plus from the X than what I would have expected comes down to just one or two key features and the and the obvious difference in the display is the big difference between the 8a plus and the x so um, i was definitely surprised i thought apple would hold back a lot more of the features and a lot more of the new um, sort of benefits um, and technologies from the iphone x and and keep those reserved just for that one exclusive model and and i expected the iphone 8 um, and 8 plus to feel much more like um, just an s upgrade some of the new features of the iPhone 8 
and 8 plus um, obviously glass front and glass back so everything we saw in leaks and the dummy models that we have seen pretty much held to be true silver space gray and gold are the three colors um, most people were saying the gold looks fantastic um, and they went on to talk a whole heck of a lot about some super over engineered sounding um, specs on the material so you know they go into a lot of detail about the type of aluminum that they're using the type of glass that they're using all that stuff all the the, the millimeter specifications and tolerances for everything you know Apple loves to go crazy about that stuff and it is cool and it does make their products premium feeling and all that but they definitely get a little carried away um, and today was no different so if you're annoyed by that kind of stuff you probably don't want to watch the entire uh, iPhone uh, section or portion of this particular keynote. Um, so as far as the tech that's in the new iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, um, a new wide color gamut displays with True Tone, which basically adapts the colors to the ambient lighting in the room. So it basically tries to make all of the colors that are that you're seeing on the display stay consistent and look the way that they do in any lighting environment. So outside in the sun or weird fluorescent lighting, whatever it might be, um, the True Tone tries to keep all the tones looking a little bit more um, appropriate or a little bit more consistent to what you're used to seeing um, and so that's kind of cool the new speakers which you know in my opinion the iPhone speakers currently are some of the best speakers on a smartphone and they have increased them by 25% in terms of how loud they can get and they actually have more bass than previously which is pretty impressive because again I think that the iPhone speakers now have more bass than most smartphone speakers and uh, and they do get louder than than what you can expect on a lot of phones so um, the new a11 chip is called the a11 bionic chip um, it is a 64-bit six-core chip just like uh, was leaked the other day um, by some developers who had found some some new bits of uh, information inside the latest beta for iOS 11 and so um, the cores uh, can be used all at the same time or uh, they can be used independently in a multi-core use case situation uh, the a11 bionic chip is 70% more powerful and the new a11 bionic chip is paired with a new custom-built three-core GPU that's I mean you know every year these phones just continually increase exponentially in terms of their graphical you know powers and capabilities um, this is gonna be pretty amazing to see because I think a lot of this power is gonna be put to use in a lot of Apple's augmented reality stuff that they have going on which I'll talk more about uh, here just in a second but um, in conjunction with that there's a new ISP chip which is an Im image single processor which is used for things like photography and I'll talk more about that in a minute here when we get to some of the new photo features and uh, it's also uh, used for hardware noise reduction so you now have actual hardware processing happening happening in the background to do things like reduce some of the noise in probably low light images or any other scenario where you might have a little bit of artifacting and some uh, distracting noise in an image so um, all in all, even just with that little bit of tech going in there, that's a pretty big update. Um, I think that's more than we typically would hope for, you know, in seeing just like an S upgrade on, a, on an iPhone model. So uh, I was pretty impressed. On the photo side of things, the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus have new 12 megapixel cameras that can let in 80% more light than the previous versions. They have wider dynamic range, which is always a plus, and Apple obviously is trying to compete with you know, the Note and the Galaxy S8, which have both uh, gotten huge marks for 
um, photography and things like dynamic range. The new dual lenses are now an f1.8 and f2.8 for the wide angle and for the telephoto respectively. And the new portrait mode has been improved like exponentially. So not only does it do a better job of uh, saving and keeping good details, it does a much better job in low light and still being able to function with the actual portrait effects and the bokeh. The bokeh itself has been improved. So I'm assuming it looks more like natural bokeh instead of something that's computer generated. There's also a new lighting mode uh, as part of portrait mode called portrait lighting. And if you choose portrait lighting, uh, basically what it does is it uses the, the 3D sensing camera to basically create a depth map and then it uses machine learning to calculate all of the specifics behind the lighting and then what you can do is you can choose between a bunch of different studio lighting type effects so basically mimicking different lighting scenarios or things that a photographer might do in a studio when taking portraits and what's cool about this is that these are not filters apple was very specific in talking about that these are actual real world lighting um, effects being applied via the depth map and machine learning and so you can actually take your photo um, and then go back in later and change which one of these lighting effects you wanted to apply to that specific photo. And you can actually combine that with something called studio mode where they will actually combine uh, some of the features of portrait mode and this new light sensing uh, feature and completely remove the background and turn it into a black background so that it looks like the photo was actually taken in a studio. Very, very cool stuff. Super impressive on stage. I'll have to wait till I see it in person to see how effective it is. Um, but definitely really cool. And to go along with all of these photo features and, and things related to the camera, um, Apple says that the new video features for the iPhone will make it the highest quality video capture ever in a smartphone. Now that'll obviously be put to the test once it's available and people start comparing it to other things like the Note and the Galaxy S8. So we'll have to see if that really holds up. But basically Apple has created a custom video codec for the iPhone. Basically the new codec will create 2 million tiles for every frame every single second and analyze all these individual tiles to find things like edges, details, a blade of grass, etc. Um, and supposedly uses all that information to make uh, the final image much, much more detailed, much sharper. And so it sounds cool on paper, um, but you know, we'll have to see how it looks in person. Another feature of the new uh, iPhone video mode is the fact that in slow motion, it can now do 1080p at up to 240 frames per second. Uh, and I think it does 4K at uh, 120 frames per second. So pretty impressive. It definitely, you know, the iPhone has already done a really great job at video, you know, in 4K now. So I can only imagine with all these new um, little bits of new tech and enhancements to the software, it's gonna be that much more impressive. After talking about all the video features, uh, Apple kind of segued right into talking about AR. And we've been hearing a lot about Apple's AR uh, plans and some of the things they've been doing with AR kit uh, up to this point. So it was nice to see where things have progressed since we last saw it. So obviously augmented reality is going to be a big part, I think, of just the future in general, but specifically as it pertains to mobile devices. And obviously with all the new power in the latest version of the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, they're using some of that to do CPU-based world tracking. So real-time positioning of where your phone is in conjunction with the virtual world that's being displayed on the phone. All of this is put together with real-time lighting estimation as well as tons of other features to, uh, to basically make the AR experience that much more immersive. 
they did an AR app demo live on stage with a couple of different games. Uh, they had Warhammer on display, which looked really, really cool. Uh, they showed a demo of MLB at bat, the uh, the MLB app being used uh, at live at a stadium and watching a game in person where you could hold your phone up and it would overlay real-time stats of players as they were you know, live on the field, which was really cool. They showed a demo of SkyMap, which was basically holding your phone up to the sky and having it overlay um, stars mapping data. Um, I, that wasn't too impressive because I think we've seen stuff like that you know, for years now. I remember there was something similar even going all the way back on, on the early days of Android. Um, obviously, it wasn't quite as impressive. It wasn't AR-based, but still um, something a little bit uh, similar to that. There was also a live demo of a of a game um, from Directive Games. I don't I didn't catch the title of the game. I can't remember. I'll have to look that up for you guys. But basically, it was uh, a game showing real world mobility and camera movement and things like spatial audio. So in the demo, um, the person playing the game was moving around, and you could see while he was moving, he was able to look around various different obstacles and things that were on that, that were in the game world, and then he could lean his face down and and kind of zoom in and the volume of everything that was happening on the battlefield would increase in volume as he leaned his head down. Um, if he were to rotate around where his, uh, his, his ears would be obstructed by, you know, a virtual object in the world from something on the other side, then that, that would be, you know, represented in the actual game using the spatial audio feature. It was super impressive, especially considering that it's, you know, all being done on a phone, a device that fits in your pocket. Super cool. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see how much deeper things go with, uh, all of Apple's AR kit in the near future. Obviously, with just like with any new technology, Apple has a way of grabbing hold of it and getting so much more support behind it that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we're probably going to see more effective use of AR on the iPhone and iPads and things in the future than we're really ever going to see on any other device from another manufacturer. So Apple's probably going to do a whole lot to really drag AR to the forefront. Another big feature mentioned about the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus was, of course, the rumored wireless charging by Qi. Um, Qi is spelled QI, just in case you were wondering, but um, they're the largest uh, developer of wireless charging solutions, and Apple partnered with them and wanted to make sure that all of the Qi products would be integrated and usable with the, the new iPhone. They're also working with Qi to uh, help partner with and draw more attention to wireless charging, and just like I was saying with AR, you can bet that Apple's power and the popularity of the iPhone is going to do a lot to bring wireless charging more to the masses. So Apple wants to help partner with them to bring wireless charging to things like cafes, you know, having it on a, on a table at a, at a coffee shop, um, airports, and even cars where you'll be able to just, you know, throw your phone into the center console and it'll just start charging as soon as it uh, lands on the wireless, embedded wireless charging mat that's built right into your vehicle. Um, of course, other than that, there is wireless technology in there such as Bluetooth 5.0 and, you know, obviously all the, the usual uh, LTE capabilities and so on. So, um, you know, the wireless charging is the big one. You know, it's something that's been missing from the iPhone for, you know, quite a few years now. A lot of other cell phone manufacturers have already switched to wireless charging. So it's, it's good that Apple's finally catching up and I'm sure they're going to then expand on it like they always do and make it more popular. But again, they showed a lot of restraint and they didn't claim to be uh, the first or best or or, you know, they didn't try to take any, uh, you know, any claims to to being the the sort of bring the people to bring wireless charging to, to the world. They uh, they just talked about how it was implemented into the iPhone specifically and what they were going to do to try and bring wireless charging more to uh, the forefront and, and to make it more popular. So good job, Apple.
The iPhone 8 will start at 64 gigabytes for $699 and go up to 256 gigabytes for $849. The 64 gigabyte size option in the Plus version will be $799 and the 256 gigabyte Plus model will be $949. All models of the new iPhone 8 will be available for pre-order this Friday on September 15th and should start shipping on September 22nd. And finally, that brings us to the headlining act of the entire event, which of course was the iPhone X. And as I said earlier, one of the coolest things about this entire um, keynote today for me was that the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus were not all that different than the iPhone X. Now, obviously the display is a big determining factor. There's also a few other things that I'll talk about in just a second, but for the most part, everything I just said about the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus will apply to the iPhone X. Obviously, the biggest difference that stands out right away is the new display, which goes edge to edge and has that little notch at the top, which people are already dubbing the unibrow. So there's already a name for Apple's one little, I guess, flaw, if you want to call it that. Um, Apple's calling the new display a super retina display. It's a 5.8 inch display that has a resolution of 2436 by 1125, which is a 458 PPI, in case you were wondering. It's an OLED display that is capable of displaying HDR and Dolby Vision content. So it's a full-blown uh, everything that you would expect from an OLED display. Now, of course, Apple did try to spin it as if this, this particular OLED display had some things going on that were making it better than your typical OLED. But the reality is, is that Samsung is making these OLED displays for Apple. So I doubt that Samsung's putting any kind of new technology into, into these OLED panels that they haven't reserved for themselves. So any of these sort of extra little things that Apple is embellishing upon are really just coming down to software. So some of the things like the 3D touch panel being built directly into the display, obviously they're using the same true tone technology that I mentioned in the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, and some of the features like the rise to wake or you can tap the display to wake the screen and then you swipe up from the bottom to actually unlock the foam. Unlocking itself is done with what people pretty much already had anticipated, which is the face ID facial recognition. And I'll get into a whole lot of details about how that works in just a second. But basically you pick your phone up, it'll immediately scan your face. Apparently it's extremely fast. Uh, Apple's basically making it look as if it's just as fast as Touch ID. And then once the phone's unlocked, you just swipe up to actually get into your phone. So if it all works as well as Apple, uh, you know, basically said it did and, and showed that it did on stage, then I think we'll all be perfectly fine with the, uh, the Touch ID replacement for the home button. Getting into how the facial um, recognition and the face ID system will work is that top little unibrow up at the top, the little notch at the top of the display contains a whole heck of a lot of sensors. There's an infrared camera, a flood illuminator, um, a dot projector, ambient light sensors, and then obviously you have your speaker slash earpiece embedded in there as well. But basically the, the dot projector is one of the major key points to this whole um, camera sensing um, true depth camera system. And that's what basically projects uh, a whole bunch of little tiny um, infrared invisible dots on your face and uses that to create the, the 3D mapping. Apple partnered with Neural Networks to create a full neural engine inside of the iPhone X. And this is, I guess, a first for a smartphone. And it's using machine learning to basically uh, create that stored reference image of your face. Um, and it's supposedly able to completely adapt to if you're wearing sunglasses, a hat, whatever. Um, and it can cannot be fooled 
fooled apparently by masks or photos that they can't be used to spoof the face id so you wouldn't be able to just take like a silicone mask of someone's face and and hold it up you know uh, james bond or or uh, mission impossible style that that wouldn't work Apple says in terms of reliability and security that it would be a one in one million chance of a person with a similar face being able to unlock and access your phone. So apparently this is an improvement over um, using Touch ID, which was one in, I think, 50 million. So definitely, according to Apple, we have nothing to worry about in terms of how secure this will be. Um, Face ID will work with Apple Pay as well as third party apps that we currently use with Touch ID. So things like one password or your mobile banking app will be able to be unlocked using just your face now as opposed to your thumbprint. So this true depth camera system that's used specifically for the, the face ID um, is actually part of what leads to a lot of the other differences in terms of features between the iPhone 8 and the iPhone X. And one of those features are the new animated emojis. Now, um, at first I thought these were just gonna be typical animated emojis when we saw some of the early leaks, but this is actually way cooler. Basically, it's using the camera system that's used for face ID to map your face in 3D in real time and then apply that face tracking and mapping to emojis that can actually move and track your lip movements, your facial expressions, and it's all reflected on the emojis. And these can actually be saved as videos to be sent to other people, um, or you can use them just right in iMessage and send them directly to somebody like you would any other uh, message. They can also be then used to drag out stills um, and used as stickers within iMessage as well. It's pretty incredible, and you can do it all right within iMessage if you want. Um, I, I was super impressed by the technology technology it was it was pretty amazing one of the demos that they showed using that same face tracking technology was uh, using it to to use uh, snapchat to apply filters and the improvement over how effective these filters were versus the way they're done now in snapchat was absolutely mind-blowing they did a demo where it looked like a sort of a um, ultimate warrior face paint was being applied to to someone's face and and every every aspect of movement and the details underneath the skin were all still fully visible it was it was super impressive I mean, if you haven't seen it, go check out the video. It's awesome. Um, they did a really good long demo showing all the different things you could do with the with the emojis. Um, it was it was super cool. It got a good chuckle out of the crowd. One thing I did notice when seeing them do the actual live demo of the phone is that the phone does use the full screen, including either side of that top notch when you're looking at movies, videos, or any kind of photos or anything like that. So that's kind of different than what I've seen in a lot of the Android phones, like the uh, like the essential phone that has the notch at the top, um, where that actually gets cut off and shrinks down the phone size or the screen size a little bit um, to make sure that all the content comes in below that top notch. Apple's going a different direction, it seems, where they're just having the video play around that top cutout. So I'm not sure if that's gonna be distracting or weird when you're actually using it to watch movies. And I'm not sure if all third-party apps that are used for video, things like uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix will still utilize that as well. But at least for the videos that they were viewing that you would have taken on your phone, those were, were playing um, with the video being basically plopped in around that cutout. So just something to keep in mind. The only other big difference between the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus and the iPhone X was the dual image stabilization um, that comes with both lenses. So basically now both the standard, uh, standard wide angle lens and the telephoto lens have built in optical image stabilization, which makes for much smoother videos, obviously, as well as being able to do much better job at low light photography, thanks to that longer exposure time and the image stabilization keeping everything from getting blurry. 
Everything else about the lenses is the same, the same apertures and all of that, um, the flash, all of the other aspects that were carried over from the iPhone 8. Um, so really it just comes down to having that dual uh, optical image stabilization and that's pretty much it. Um, the front-facing camera on the new iPhone X will actually be slightly better as well because it can now use that, that uh, 3D sensing technology to create um, portrait mode selfies and also that portrait lighting feature that I talked about earlier can also be carried over to the front-facing camera and used during selfies. So that's pretty much the gist of all the major differences between the 8, 8 Plus and the X. As far as the 8X goes, with all these new things being added to the phone and sucking up power, um, they did increase the battery size just slightly, so it actually gets two extra hours of battery life over the existing iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. So I thought that was definitely something worth mentioning. The iPhone X will also come in two models, 64 gigabytes for $999 or a 256 gigabyte option for $1149. Both versions will be available for pre-order on October 27th and available in-store on November 3rd. So that's going to do it for today's tech download. Uh, I hope I did a decent job of cramming in everything that happened at the Apple iPhone event today. Um, I definitely probably missed a few things here and there, and I'll probably be doing some follow-up segments here in the next few days, kind of uh, recapping anything I missed. But that's pretty much the gist of it. There was a whole lot crammed into a relatively short amount of time in today's event. It definitely went a lot quicker than I thought it would. Uh, they kind of kept the pace moving pretty quick, hopping from one product announcement to another. Um, but I was overall super impressed. I think Apple at least made a pretty valiant attempt to show that they are getting back to sort of an innovation type mode. Um, there's been quite a few years of very small iterative um, updates taking place, um, you know, small little improvements here and there. And obviously with a lot of these products like the Apple TV, um, they've actually completely ignored them and, and have fallen pretty far behind. So even though the Apple TV 4K is maybe still playing catch up because there's other devices that have been out for quite a while now that can display 4K and HDR content, it's still um, a pretty good step forward for Apple. And obviously with all of the content that they have available on iTunes, there'll probably be more 4K HDR content available through Apple TV and iTunes than there are on any of the other platforms combined. So, um, you know, Apple's still leveraging the the power that they have to, to try and help push things forward, even if they weren't the first ones to the table with some of these new technologies. Now, in terms of the iPhone specifically, um, there's a whole lot of innovation happening on the iPhone. Obviously, there's been facial recognition before them, um, but they're obviously trying to show that they're doing it much, much better than has ever been done before. And they're looking to continue to push camera technologies forward. I think that the portrait mode feature and the uh, the new lighting and the studio mode are all really, really cool. I'm super excited to test those out. And obviously, they're, they're way ahead in terms of their augmented reality stuff. So um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what all this stuff looks like when we can get our hands on them here in the next couple of weeks. It's probably going to be a little bit longer for me because I'm going to skip the iPhone 8 and hold out for trying to get my hands on an iPhone X instead. Um, I really don't want to go through the hassle of trying to of having to deal with an upgrade twice in a you know 90 day span of time. So uh, I'm just going to sit out the iPhone 8 and uh, and hold my breath and hope that I can get my hands on an iPhone X on launch day. 
Um, so yeah, um, that's that's what the iPhone 8 event was all about today. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, if you have anything that uh, you want to talk about that I missed, leave me a comment or call in and let me know. Also, if you haven't already, follow me on social media um, at Gadget Reason. I'll be posting a lot more iPhone-related news there as we get more information coming out. And uh, other than that, that's all I got for today. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.